In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about a change maker in our community. Changemakers are the ones who have experienced breast cancer themselves, and the experience has inspired a business to serve the community, to make the cancer experience easier for the next person to be diagnosed. It's not an easy decision to stay and work in cancer land. Doing so gives you a front row seat to the experiences of others, which can be triggering and also grief-filled as we lose community members to metastatic breast cancer. But it can also be so powerful and fulfilling to give back. And that's what my guest today is here to share. Her story is one of true transformation from the powerless feeling of being diagnosed with cancer to the powerful feeling of wanting to serve and give back. My guest today is Natalie Bello Silva. Natalie was diagnosed at 27 with stage 2 hormone-positive breast cancer. She is the founder of Scarves for Healing, a business that supports women facing hair loss. She joins me today from Northern Virginia, where she lives with her husband and a golden doodle puppy named Skye. Today, Natalie is here to read a piece she wrote for Wildfire Magazine's 2022 Changemakers issue. This was an issue in which we asked the question, what does everyone going through breast cancer deserve? We got so many wonderful takes on this question. It's my pleasure to bring you Natalie's story today. Welcome to The Burn, Natalie. Hi, April. Thank you so much for having me. I am just so honored that you're here to read us your story. So the story that you wrote is called Streetlight. And after you read, you and I will chat a little bit. And those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's conversation. All right, Natalie, I'll let you take it away. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So since I was a little kid, I have been scared of the dark. I have multiple ideas of why I started to fear the dark. However, one part of my life comes up whenever I think about fear and darkness. When I was 12 years old, I would stay home by myself in the afternoons until midnight. It was just my mom and I since I was born. My mom was going to college at the night school, and she would usually arrive home around midnight every weekday. Sometimes I was lucky enough to wake up past midnight and I will open my eyes and catch a glimpse of my mom getting ready to go to bed or the light of the bathroom on. I will then close my eyes again and be at peace. I could rest now. My mom was home. However, there were other times where I was not so lucky. I will wake up before my mom arrived and my heart will race fast. My palms will get so sweaty and I could hardly feel them. Then the knowledge would bloom deep in my heart that I was alone, 
just me and darkness. I would quickly move to one of the rooms that I had a window facing the main street. I memorized the way the street looked. I knew how many street lights were between the main street and the end of the street. I memorized the way my mom walked through the dark streets. At times, when I was searching for her in the night through my window, I would look for people who will walk like her. I knew she had her purse on the right side and her lunch bag on the left. I knew her height and the way her curly hair looked through the shadows. I even had a strategy of really focusing my eyes when a person passed through the illumination of a streetlight. I knew it was my moment that I had to focus. It was my only opportunity to catch a glimpse of that person's face, my only opportunity for calmness. Many times I waited patiently in the night looking out the window, and then I will get lucky and catch a glimpse of my mom's face passing the streetlight. I will be filled with pure joy, jump up, and immediately run to the apartment door. I waited patiently. I was not allowed to open the door. My mom's heels will sound against the hard concrete, followed by the sound of her keys in the lock. Finally, the door knob will begin to move, and when I blink my eyes, there she was. I was now calm. Mom was home. I was safe. When I received the phone call from my OBGYN telling me, I'm sorry, you have breast cancer, I went to the dark place again. I was alone. I felt as if my heart was coming out of my chest. My palms were sweating so much I could hardly hold my cell phone. The same feeling of fear I remember from childhood filled me. Through all my oncology appointments, visits with breast surgeons, and meeting with different cancer support groups, I was looking for that glimpse of calmness that would let me know that I would be all right. I kept looking for a street light. I kept looking for the familiar shapes that will help me to find a peace within myself. However, it kept getting darker and darker as times went by. This time, I could not focus on finding a glimpse of my mom's face. This time, I could not even stand to see my own reflection in the mirror. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 27. Prior to my diagnosis, I had never known anyone diagnosed young. Also, I'm Hispanic, and I truly thought cancer only happened to Caucasian women. How wrong and naive I was. The sad part is that I know now a lot of other cultures also think this way. For many days, I went through the grieving process. I was in complete denial, and I was angry. I was angry at life, I was at myself, and I was angry at God. I kept saying, how did you let this happen? I had this voice inside of me that I could not shake off. Who do you think you are? It asked me over and over again. Who do you think you are for thinking you deserve a life of happiness? Who do you think you are for wanting a life where you could have the American dream and have opportunities? Who do you think you are? I keep hearing it so much that I actually believe it, and it became my reality. I thought I had no right to this life, that I had no right for wanting more for my family. I had no right to achieve more after all of my mom's sacrifices to bring us to this beautiful country. I should be thankful for making it to this point, and that was it. I was faced with my mortality, and that was all I was ever going to have. This hurt so much. It hurt deep in my soul, but also in my ego. After that realization, I had an attitude of no wanting life, of putting my head down, of accepting defeat, 
this was such a strange characteristic for my mouth fam this was such a strange characteristic for my family to see i had always been known as a hustler the go-getter the person who couldn't stay still once when my mom was pressuring me with questions i told her please don't get your hopes up my type of cancer is aggressive we should not be looking for solutions my mom looked at me straight in my eyes and said If the cancer is aggressive, we will be aggressive as well. I stood there still and my heart racing and my hands sweaty, but this time it was because I had finally seen my streetlight. I had finally seen a glimpse of my mom's face passing the streetlight. It was the light in my darkness. It was finally here. It was time to start fighting. It was time to find my own calmness. It was time to stop being afraid of the dark and leaning in with all that I had. It was time to find again something that I could not see that I feared so much. After this, I started to focus on beating cancer. I started to see what this experience was trying to teach me, how this experience was humbling me every day more and more. There were moments when it got so dark that I felt as if a black hole was going to open up in the middle of the street and swallow me up. Other times, I saw street lights and familiar shapes everywhere. I called this little angels along the way, who gave me an encouraging word, a helping hand, an ounce of truth when needed. After 16 rounds of chemo, breast surgeries, and fertility preservation, I have been free of evidence of disease for almost four years now. Wow, it's even hard to write four years as I reflect and see the face of my young self crying on the bathroom floor at 2 a.m. almost every night. I thought I would not pass my 27th birthday. After my active treatment was over, I heard a voice again. What did you learn? What now? I kept seeing the face of a cancer patient who was in the same infusion center as I was. She asked me about my headscarf, asking where she could buy one like mine. I explained to her that my mom helped me make it as I could not find something that I liked to wear during my hair loss. She said, if you will sell them, I will buy them. Mom and I started to think, to design, to research, and after a year we had a prototype for our scars for healing, pre-tie head wraps. This was our street light for others. This is the street light we hope to give women facing cancer. We hope they're able to catch a glimpse of themselves when facing such difficult moments through the journey. We hope they're able to find calmness and peace within. We hope they stop fearing the darkness and lean in with courage. I'm still learning every day how to stop fearing the darkness. I'm learning how to lean in and find my own light in the sometimes dark streets of life. Now, besides the street lights, I also have my mom's words telling me if the cancer is aggressive, we will be aggressive as well. And those are the words I say to everyone I meet going through a difficult situation. Don't give up. Be aggressive as well. Find your own light. Go through the process and help others go through the process too. That will be your street light that will later become millions of street lights illuminating the darkest streets.
Mm, Natalie, thank you. you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Well, so let's take a quick break here. We'll let you catch your breath. And when we come back, we will dig into your story and all those streetlights. Hi, everyone. My name is Karen, and I'm from Colorado. I was diagnosed with stage 3A triple negative breast cancer at the age of 41. Hearing stories from other young women diagnosed with breast cancer is helping me process what I have gone through the past year, and wildfire has been instrumental in my healing process. I was really struggling to put pen to paper to capture my experience and share my story. April's writing workshops and the Burn podcast have given me the tools via these prompt writing exercises to capture my story and to help me process triggering events. Thank you, Wildfire, for helping me find my voice, introducing me to a community of women who are experiencing the same things that I'm experiencing and the courage to share my story with the world. As a parent of young kids, your plate is already full with diapers, bedtime, preschool drop-offs, or getting food on the table. When you top it off with an unwelcome cancer diagnosis, that already full plate can simply overflow. Brightspot Network is here to help. We are a community of parents and primary caregivers with cancer who are also raising young kids. We're doing that difficult work of parenting and caregiving all while navigating a cancer diagnosis and treatment. Brightspot Network offers free kids books on big emotions, cancer, grief, and loss. Free art boxes designed with kids of parents with cancer in mind. Financial grants for families impacted by cancer. Support groups for parents and partners, web resources, and more. Check us out at www.brightspotnetwork.org. Thank you so much for the support, both to Karen for her testimonial and to our sponsor at Bright Spot Network. Please check them out at the link in our show notes. And in case you didn't know this, all of the businesses who support us either on this podcast or in Wildfire Magazine are change makers themselves. I'm very deliberate in this decision and decided that the businesses we promote and accept advertising from be ones founded by women who have been through breast cancer themselves or have been inspired by the breast cancer experience of someone very close to them. And that experience has led to the creation of a solution for our community, like Bright Spot Network, which was co-founded by two friends, one a breast cancer survivor and the other a colon cancer survivor, who wanted to make the cancer experience easier for parents of young children. So we are all about survivors serving survivors. Bright Spot Network has a link in our show notes. All right, Natalie, let's get back to you and your changemaker story as well. Thank you again for such a powerful reading. And I love all those images of streetlights. Your mom sounds amazing. And this creation of your business. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, this was such a beautiful piece to write, honestly. And and yes, my mom has always been my streetlight ever since I have any recollection of memory she's always been there for me and and she keeps giving me a lot of wisdom throughout any time that's wonderful i know moms can be an interesting topic in the breast cancer community some of us have watched moms experience breast cancer themselves some of us have lost moms to breast cancer 
some of us have moms like yours who've really, you know, stepped in and helped, especially when diagnosed young and, you know, people have to return home and live with parents. And some people have moms who weren't able to be their support and weren't able to show up for them in it. So I just want to really acknowledge, and I hope your mom has also read this story because what a tribute to her as well. Thank you. Yes, I I, um, I read it for her and she was like in tears. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm sure she would love to just hear it with my voice and just like, kind of like keep it with her. So. So yes, and I always, it's something very strange, April, but I always say to myself, you know, I, you know, I care so much about my mom and, and I always said, you know, it was better than I got it than if she will get cancer, right? Like, I always say, you know, I can handle it in a way, like, I'll prefer that it's me, not her. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who are in my situation who probably feel the same way. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting because when I was going through it, I felt that way about my daughter. And it, I think we just, yeah, I, I don't know what that is exactly, but we're so relieved that it's mm-hmm. not someone we love and rather us carrying that burden. But I'm sure it was very hard for your mom. She probably felt the same way. Like, I wish I was the one carrying this for Natalie so she didn't have to. Um, But, you know, she gave yeah. you this this really amazing gift of this phrase that that lifted you right out. And I wonder if we could go back to that for a moment. You know, she said to you, if the cancer is aggressive, we'll be aggressive. And I know that you wrote about this, but I wonder if you can take us back even more um, specifically into that and what that meant to you. And I guess I'm asking because in a lot of ways, cancer is a surrender of self over to a team of doctors, over to faith, maybe over to to something happening outside. And you almost are sidelined while this, quote unquote, cancer battle is happening in your body. But this for you was a, a turning point where maybe you were taking back a sense of control and a sense of agency. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, this, yeah, you know, it it was very difficult for me to accept that I was going to go through one of the most difficult times in my life yet, you know, at that point, and I was only 27 years old, and I really thought that, you know, I was invincible in a way that, um, that I just, you know, like, nobody can touch me in a way, like, I still have so many years to live for my life, I wasn't really thinking about you know, mortality. And uh, when I received those, those words that I'm sorry, you have cancer, it really humbled me in a way that I've never been humbled before, but it also really hurt a lot. Um, and so I had, I remember going back, I was just going through all this, the notions of doctors and appointments and plans uh, that I needed to do in the next six months. And and I was just overwhelmed um, because you have to go go through all of this without really any hope if it was going to work or not. And so I said, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I, I said, maybe this is this is written for me. Maybe this is this is the way that I'm supposed to live my life, and this is the way that I'm supposed to die. Um, and so I immediately said, you know, I accept everything that comes my way, and. 
I'm not going to fight it. And it, it, that was really, really painful for me and really painful for my family members to see. And I remember one time my mom was just asking me, like, you know, what are we going to do after this appointment? And I was just kind of delaying making appointments and delaying kind of going and seeing more doctors. I wasn't really sure. I was just, everything was just um, so much for me. And I said, you know, mom, I was like, just don't get your hopes up. Um, this cancer is aggressive. And I don't know, even even if we do all these appointments and we go through all of the chemotherapy no one is really giving me a guarantee that this is going to save my life or that I'm going to be fine. Um, and so she said, you know what, if this is aggressive, I remember until this moment, I was in the stairs in my house and she looked at me and she said, if the cancer is aggressive, we will be aggressive as well. And that just like, I opened up my eyes so much because I kind of sat in there with no words and kind of like I snap out of my own mine and out of my own turbulence in my mind and I said you know this is what I need to do like I this cannot defeat me in this way I know that it's something unknown especially in our in our community in our culture no one in my family ever had cancer not let alone this young and so I was really the only one who's, you know, experiencing this in a way that I never experienced it before. So that's what that means for me. It's just my mom gave me that again. She gave me life again. She just said, here, you know, take this with you and, and kind of run with it. And after that, I just had this um, warrior mentality. Uh, I think that's so important um, because it obviously none of us have any guarantees but i'm sure that the spirit that you took with it with you into treatment really probably impacted how you were able to receive that treatment and you know continue through those hard days and put one foot in front of the other and take care of your body so that it could like i said receive that treatment uh thank you yeah. thank you for that story <laughs> yeah um, there was another aspect of your story that I wanted to ask you about as well. You know, I'm always looking for what is this story really about? You know, there's always these beautiful scenes that illustrate, um, you know, illustrate the story and give us an idea of what it's about. But I feel there's always this bigger bigger piece, this bigger universality to a story. And this time when I was listening to you reading it, I was thinking about that question of who do you think you are, that drumbeat that you started hearing. And, you know, it starts off in your story kind of being that humbling moment, you know, like you thought you were invincible and then um, life had other plans for you, you know, and, and dealt you this significant yeah. blow. But I just wonder if as you were writing this piece, if you came to another place of now understanding who you are now and I guess I want to ask you, who do you think you are now after you've been through this? Yeah, April, that's such a wonderful question. You know, I when I first wrote the story, and you're not going to believe this, but I kept thinking about how to write the story, how to tell my story in a way that it was impactful and concise at the same time. 
And one night I just like wrote it like two days before I actually needed to submit it <laughs> because I just kept toying with this idea of when my mom and I were, were alone back home. I'm originally from Colombia and it was just me and her. That's it. Like, really, that's it. We just were taking care of each other. And my mom was trying to go to college, provide a better life for me as well. And and so this question of who do you think you are, it was so hard for me because of all the people that ever doubted us, all the people who never gave us an opportunity before, who they just thought that, you know, it was just my mom and I, and we really didn't have anybody to protect us. And you know, nobody really thought anything about us. Nobody really thought about that we will someday be someone or that um, we will be, you know, able to provide our, a life for ourselves. Um, so we ju- we were just, in a way, kind of damaged goods. Nobody really in our family will, um, you know, kind of bet on us. And so when this question arises of who do you think you are, I obviously was it was a a really hard pill to swallow to, for my ego when all this happened because then I said, great, I got cancer. They won. Like I kept thinking it, it was such a mind trickery because I said, you know, they they won. They, they finally got what they wanted. Um, but then now that I look at it in this way of who do you think you are and I I see what, what we have accomplished so far with my mom and my family. Um, I actually have a sister as well too. And, you know, everything, um, everything that we have, everything that we have been able to accomplish is because we really fought for it and it hasn't come easy. And I know that there are other people who also are going through the same circumstances who they probably come from really humble beginnings uh, with maybe no family to support them. And I just want them to know that whenever you think about who do you think you are, you're never going to be in the same place forever. Mm -hmm. Things will change. Things will change. It doesn't matter how hard, you know, how hard of a time you're having at the moment, but things will change. You will not endure the same things forever. That's true. Um, and so, yeah. So who do you think you are now? I think that I have been able to beat the odds of a lot of things, not only um, physically and health-wise, but also mentally and in society, in my community, within myself. And so now I just really want to – I can't see the world the same. So I just want to make it better Yes, in little steps. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, what, I, what I'm hearing from you and feeling in your story is the person you are now, who do you think you are, is I am my mother's daughter. Like she paved this path for me and I am an entrepreneur. So tell us a little bit about Scarves for Healing. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously Scars for Healing was born out of a personal experience of being a young woman, being in corporate America, um, really working and not really wanting to, you know, stop working. I just, I just knew mentally I needed it. I needed to feel like I was, that nothing really had changed in my life. 
Um, and I really enjoy work. I really enjoy, you know, talking with people and meeting people and uh, feeling very useful. I've been working since I was, you know, 14, 15 years old. And I just thought that, you know, I'm not, I can't sit at home, right? And with my thoughts. <laughs> and so I, um, you know, I, I search a lot for a lot of headwear, headpieces. I, I try to wear wigs. It wasn't for me. Um, and I said, you know, how can I show up to work and still feel like Natalie? Um, and so I, you know, my mom has been a seamstress for over 30 years. And I said, hey, mom, you know, let's go and pick some fabric. And, you know, I have a design in mind. And I, I know a certain look that I want to I wanna look, you know, look for and want to look like. And so she did a prototype and we tried it. And I think I took that prototype with me all throughout my cancer journey when I was going through treatments. And I kept, um, I kept getting asked by all, um, a lot of women in the infusion centers, uh, you know, how did I style my scarf? Uh, you know, if we, if I had more colors and I kind of just briefly told them, you know, my mom makes them. And she said, you know, I remember one lady in particular, she said, if you, if you sell them, I will buy them from you because that's exactly what I've been looking for. Um, and so I, I realized there was a gap in the market. Um, and so I decided to do Scars for Healing with Mom and really have uh, head accessories um, that are from a cancer survivor to another person who's facing cancer, who's looking to be comfortable and stylish and, and be in their essence. Mm. I love that. And I love that you and your mom are doing this together. It's such a beautiful continuation of your story and a way of reclaiming this experience for you. And then, like you said, just making streetlights for other people so they don't feel so lost in the dark too. Yes, absolutely. That's the whole point. I always say if I can just have, you know, one person wear the scarf and feel like they are that they're still there because cancer just strips away so much from you um, that I just feel that if they could, if there's one less thing they need to worry about of how they're, you know, how they're looking at themselves in the mirror, how they're uh, presenting themselves to the world. And if that has scarf uh, will help them to accomplish uh, confidence when they, when they wear it, then, then that's all I care about. Yes. Yes. Every person going through breast cancer deserves to have confidence and to feel comfortable going out. Absolutely. Well, Natalie, thank you so much. Will you tell us all where we can find you online? Absolutely. So um, scarsforhealing.com and then at scarsforhealing in Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yes. No, thank you, April. I think what you what you do when you keep doing and, and kind of reinventing a lot of things of how we think about cancer in general um, for women is just so valuable and extraordinary. So I applaud you. And um, I always tell everyone about wildfire because I think it's just so important oh, for people. Thank you. I love that. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> 
Well, today's writer and guest was Natalie Bello Silva. Her piece was called Street Lights from the December 2021, January 2022 issue of Wildfire Magazine called Change Makers. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay till the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat with Natalie. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our more than 35 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, please leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. And here's today's writing prompt. I want you to think about what everyone going through breast cancer deserves. What does everyone going through breast cancer deserve? This might lead to you making some change-making moves of your own, whether it's starting a business, doing advocacy, or just continuing to tell your story so others feel less alone. Everyone going through breast cancer deserves. Eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.